Everyone knows how to play poker. Poker, poker. But do you know how to play poker well? Well, get ready to talk poker strategy with the people who run the games. Hear interviews with the stars. Get information on when to play, where to play, and how to play better poker. Poker. This is Poker Action Live, a weekly poker show with your hosts Big Dave Lemon and Joe Rodriguez. And how's everybody doing? Big Dave Lemon. Uh, Joe is out for uh, at least a while today. He had some stuff that came up at the last minute. It's his poker room down in Miami and uh, may join us a little later in the show. But I got an adequate replacement, more than adequate. Let's put it that way. The big man joins me, Tony Burns. Uh, the uh, I guess what's the official title? I don't want to say it wrong, but the marketing guy, marketing dude from uh, Hard Rock. <laughs> that, that'll work. You know, I've been called worse, so. What what do you go by when you introduce yourself to people? I'm the uh, executive director of marketing or? Uh, director of poker marketing for Seminole Hard Rock Support Services. Okay. So it's a mouthful. It is a mouthful. And uh, really, you guys have pulled it off once again. Uh, a lot of people were wondering if we could do live poker tournaments. You are finishing up the main event of the Lucky Hearts Open at uh, the Seminole Hard Rock in Hollywood. It's uh, by all accounts, it's gone very smooth. Um, what are your thoughts as you finish things up here? I know that, uh, you know, the play itself and the people that show up, uh, things you out of your control, but, uh, the things that are in your control always seem to go well. I think one word will cover it as well. Uh, just an amazing, uh, you know, turnout, you know, from start to finish. You know, I think a lot of people, like you said, uh, question whether we can pull it off and, you know, Tough, uh, I would say we, we did it now. You know, we're like you said, we're finishing up the final table. When I walked out, uh, just stepped away from the final table, they were down to five and uh, you know, playing for over 800,000 on top. So, terrific series. Uh, once again, another great you know, our partnership with the WPT is fantastic and great to uh, bring poker back to not only South Florida but uh, to the United States. Any TV involved, whether a Twitch or anything else? Are they shooting at that final table at all today? Yeah, uh, no live streaming or final table. Okay. Um, when you guys went into this thing, you know, you say, wow, now, and, and I'm sure it's just like a piano off your back, but uh, did you did you think it was going to work? I mean, uh, obviously, the safety thing is one thing you guys have done really well. Safe and sound program has been fantastic. Uh, the players I talked to, I was by there last night, said, uh, hey, you know, they've done a tremendous job keeping us safe. And I think that was the number one goal. Yeah, that was the number one goal, goal since they reopened, you know, Hard Rock in Hollywood in, in June and Tampa back in May is, you know, keeping everybody safe and sound, you know, guest and team member safety as a number one priority. And, you know, it just shows the players walked in and they were just uh, blown away. Just the uniformity of all the tables and just all the, you know, protocols and procedures that were put in place to, to make this happen. So, you know, like you said, it's a big weight off the shoulder to bring the first event back and wrap up here and uh, look towards April. Now, the, the final table from last year's Seminole Hard Rock Showdown has not been played yet. Is that correct? So that event was canceled. The April 2020 Showdown, we were, you know, about a month away from that uh, when that series was was canceled. What was the final table that was going to be played in Vegas? 
So our final table from the showdown April 2019. 2019. That one did play out. So that one, ours played out. There are a handful of final tables uh, that I think are still waiting from that UPT. I want to say Gardens, Commerce, and maybe Borgata are still, you know, waiting to to uh, play out those final tables. WPT's been in the news. They were just sold. Is that going to change anything with your relationship with them, you think? You know, obviously that was just announced, and we don't know all the details yeah. of that. But, you know, talking to the few WPT crew members there, um, you know, it sounds like uh, business is normal. And, uh, you know, looking forward to uh, continuing our partnership with them. And you did play in the ballroom this year. You played the entire series in the ballroom, and uh, it was pretty much the same. So the ballroom this uh, go-round was, instead of our 90 normal tables, it was cut down to 60, and we played eight-handed. So typical is 90 tables, nine-handed. And also, you know, we spaced out the tables. Uh, Bill Mason, Jason Heidenthal, and the entire, you know, Hollywood team, they did an amazing job on you know just putting this all together so the props really go to them i you know pleasure to be a part of the team and be able to great and successful series i think the last time i talked to you jason had just come in of course you worked with him at the aisle as uh, co-tournament directors for that facility uh and uh he went to work with mike smith for for six years he told me the other day that was amazing uh to hear that um How's the things been with him? I'm sure uh, you guys have always gotten along great, and I'm sure that uh, he's happy to be back down here in Florida. Yeah, it's nice uh, to have uh, Jason back and, you know, getting the tournaments going again and him getting back into that, uh, um, you know, Jason and I, a lot of people don't know, we, we uh, go back to first grade <laughs> and it's a small world, right? Exactly. So, uh, but, you know, our six years, seven years at the aisle, we're, you know, we, we built that friendship and that camaraderie and, then when he went to Maryland, it was awesome to have him come back uh, over my spot when I moved over to corporate. So, yeah, it's great to have Jason back. And I, I know uh, he was as excited as I was to have the, the tournament back and and uh, all, all good things. Were you pleased to uh, with the amount of people that showed up as far as, uh, you know, big name players? I mean, that, that really doesn't matter because a lot more people are playing poker and getting better all the time and showing up in the in the in the leaderboards. But you had, you know, I saw Fred Goldberg there last night, you know, and people like that that years ago were, were well-known. Now a lot of people coming back. Uh, were you disappointed at all with the turnout of some of the big-name players? No, not at all. I mean, you know, everybody, uh, you know, that felt comfortable to come out, you know, everybody's got the reason for uh, and not for traveling right now. And um, But it was great names were here. Uh, Joe McKeon, you had WSOP champions on the field. Mm -hmm. Joe Cata. Uh, former WPT champions, uh, bracelet winners, so, you know, ring winners. And this really brought in a uh, mixed bag of players from just around the country uh, you know, up and, and hungry to play poker. You got Ronnie Barta at the final table. I talked to Ronnie last night. Uh, uh, always a thrill. He's always a fun guy to have around. And uh, uh, Darren Elias, of course, one of the big names that went very deep and just got knocked out. Uh, Ite, of course, always one of the uh, famous people that uh, everybody loves. So it was a, it was a nice turnout. And uh, maybe you'll have a, uh, a South Florida player that plays in a lot of your events, Francis uh, Margaglione, who has gone deep. That's kind of uh, interesting that he has done so well. Yeah, Francis uh, this morning and Ronnie and, uh, you know, I've known those guys for, you know, quite a long time with being down here in South Florida. So, 
great to see. Uh, always great to see when a local uh, makes a deep run because it's it's great for the room after you know everybody leaves. They you know they come into the, they get some stardom right and get to talk about their experience and it reminds the players here you know about uh, being able to chase that WPT championship dream and uh, playing on a final table. So you know it reminds the local players that uh, you know hey the average me as well. So. Um, you know, Francis has got a great resume of caches and uh, just overall a great guy and, and happy to see this run for him. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, people will question me on this, but I felt bad for the, the Seminole Hard Rock Tribe uh, putting together just a tremendous product there with the Guitar Hotel. And maybe it was open all of, what, five months before it had to shut down and COVID came in. Uh, you know, it's really a kind of a disappointment, but really out of your hands. Uh, I got to say that, uh, you know, especially the last few days driving by there with the, um, the Miami Heat vice colors uh, on the on the building. It's just it's just something different to look at every day. And it's just a destination here in South Florida now for people. Yeah, it's great to be back up and running and uh, terrific company to work for. I was just sharing with somebody over lunch that, you know, I, I had a great run at the aisle for that eight years. And uh, I wish I would have joined this company earlier. Um, you know, it's been a fun five years, but, you know, I believe everything happens for a reason. And uh, here during this run and just and really bounce back uh, since reopening. What do you think about some of the other places in town? I know they're competitors of yours, but it uh, uh, seemed like the aisle has really slipped off a lot. Uh, you know, I like Vinny a lot and he I'm sure he's doing a great job there, but they had trouble getting people to come back there and uh do they talk to you at all about how they're responding to the return of poker or no you know i've uh, i've popped by there to say hello i mean obviously like so my my ears there made a lot of friends uh, um, during the time and the ownership there and some of their philosophies i can't speak to their philosophy or you know management right. styles right. but um you know some companies took more of a con you know conservative approach in terms of the timeline and, um, you know, when they felt safe, it was safe to bring everybody back. And in South Florida for a long time, when you're kind of first to the party, uh, people remember that. And, uh, you know, the fact that we opened up first, um, you know, I think that was that was huge. That was a huge statement to the players that, you know, we were ready to, to get everybody back. And uh, it's been a fun time for everybody, but uh, I wish everybody over at the aisle well. And, um, you know, and as they bring back poker in the respective uh, facilities. You had the fun in the sun tournament the week after Christmas, the week between Christmas and New Year's uh, seemed to go pretty well. Um, and now this tournament, and of course, Tampa really has exploded. And that's under your purview now as far as marketing. So uh, tell me a little bit about Tampa and how that's taking off. You know, I've told everybody that uh, if you haven't been to Tampa, you really need to take a fantastic facility. You know, uh, three weeks before they open up the Guitar Tower, uh, you know, you had another property that opened up with a, uh, a 700, you know, million dollar plus expansion uh, with the new hotel tower there. Um, just an absolutely gorgeous uh, property action uh, on the casino floor. And, you know, that poker room they opened up a few years ago. Uh, it's just really nice for the players to be able to park right there in the garage. They drop down in their own, it's like their own private club, they've said. You know? <laughs> and uh, but Tampa really as well. They they bounced and um, they had the Pinktober Poker Open in October, which did uh, really well. Um, and then the Winter Poker Open in December. Uh, that main event 
in 2019 attracted 479 entries and then December 2079 mark. So 300 more entries year over year. Um, you know, once again, players are just traveling in, traveling in from, you know, different areas in the country, whether it be from the, the Northeast, the Midwest, uh, California, um, you know, places to play tournamently limited right now. And, you know, we're, we're definitely reaping some of those benefits and just uh, making sure that everybody that comes here comes uh, and knows that they'll be safe and sound. And um, it's, it's been a it's been a fun journey. And speaking about reaping the benefits and also about, you know, maybe feeling a little bit bad that it uh, couldn't have been what it could have been. Uh, the Super Bowl in Tampa uh, on February the 7th. And uh, that will bring a lot of people to town and I'm sure a lot of people to the facility to play slots, poker, anything. Yeah, that's all with uh, Tom Brady, which I, I have a lot more respect for being an Indianapolis Colts fan. I, I can't lie. I couldn't stand him for years, keeping Peyton Manning from a lot of rings. <laughs> but, you know, Peyton, uh, Tom's showing that uh, – He's just a terrific, if not the greatest of all time, uh, leading the Bucks back to the Super Bowl. But, you know, like we had down here in Miami last year, just a ton of energy. You know, people coming in, uh, well, Kansas City, right? You know, they were down here in Miami last year. So they're getting spoiled, getting come to Florida every year yeah. now with uh, Mahomes. Yeah. But a great uh, atmosphere um, there in Tampa for the Super Bowl and, and all the hometown, uh, all the hometown, of, you know, people getting to, to watch their Bucks in their backyard. Well, I noticed last night that there's a big game party at the, the Dyer uh, nightclub over there at your place. I'm sure there's parties galore over in Tampa. And a lot of those people, let's face it, they're not going to be able to go to the Super Bowl this year. Uh, the word that I heard in, is that uh, lower bowl seats are going for $11,000 and upper bowl for 6000 <laughs> So unless you have a tie-in with one of the teams and had uh, special uh, dispensation there, those people are going to have to go someplace and watch it. We're better than the Tampa Hard Rock. Agreed. And, uh, you know, when you come and watch, uh, you know, just uh, everybody just be safe. Have a great time. But, yeah, it's um, it's going to be a it's going to be a fun Super Bowl. You know, like you said, limited capacity. But, uh, you know, it's going to be uh, good times in Tampa. Uh, let's talk just a little bit about, uh, I know uh, you might get knocked off on your phone here anytime, but, uh, and I'm ready for that. But uh, as far as this tournament goes, um, you know, I saw uh, Richard Pine was the chip leader at one point. Uh, Ronnie Barta led the chips uh, going into the final two tables, and then they uh, moved into the uh, the final table today, uh, currently down to five players uh uh, any feeling about uh, who's going to take this thing? I think all they all got a lot of chips, don't they? They, you know, they they do all have a lot of chips. And uh, I was going to cheat here and go on, pull up my uh, live, <laughs> live reporting. No, it's, uh, you know what, it, it's anybody's game. You know, when uh, Ronnie got kind of cooler to uh, talk to him on break, he got cooler kings and aces. And he, you know, took half of his stack, but he still had 40 big blinds and 90 minute left. You know, with that kind of structure, you know, you're, you're never out of it. And, uh, you know, it's Francis, uh, you know, started as the chip leader. And uh, last I'm checking here, it looks like he is uh, still the chip leader. A uh, couple minutes ago, last update, still uh, looked like. Um, still five? Uh, still five. Uh, Roble doubled through Ronnie. Uh, nine, uh, eights to ace nine. Um and uh, Ronnie still has 80 big blinds. So, 
and uh, Robo has 30 big ones. Extremely deep, playing 60 minute levels. And, uh, you know, Francis, uh, let's see here, Francis is still the chip leader. So it's, uh, it's it, but it really, like I said, it's anybody's game. And we know when you get shorthanded, uh, I've experienced it firsthand. Uh, you can have uh, half the chips find yourself in third. Now, five players left out of 1,573, I think, with just as incredible was. Uh, and I have to ask you about this. You know, I'm always good for a little curveball. So here it comes. Uh, <laughs> the first thing I heard when you started this tournament was that you were limiting, and this was in the opening event, that I, you were limiting the players to 400 in each session. The first one was uh -huh. 400, the second one maybe right around there, and then it kind of shot up a little bit. Is that just an adjustment as to everything's going fine, we can handle it, and you end up with over 3,000 players over the six? So what we wanted to do is obviously you want to you know promote social distancing. You don't want too many people inside the ballroom at once, and that's you know we've had a history of opening events. Uh, just blowing it out of the water, right? We have the largest field state of Florida history. Back in November 2016, we had, uh, what was it, 5,019 entries for that rock and roll opener. So we knew that there was a lot of pent-up demand. We paid attention to what was going around the country and, you know, Iowa, Venetian, all these big fields. And even our own backyard, you know, with our sister property, you know, we knew that there was pent-up demand, and we just needed to take some measures to taper the fields to ensure that we didn't have, you know, 100, 200, 300 alternates in one room. Put that with the opener, and, um, you know, it's tough to kind of cap the, the, the main event. So what we did is we did have some alternate players, but what we did is um, via our Twitter account, um, when everybody had their alternate seat, we were able to post on the blog or on the Twitter, you know, kind of, alternates 150 and x come on in so we were able to tell them hey head back out into the casino you can maybe go over to the cash game room some people took advantage of that they went over and played cash for a few hours while they waited for their main event seat to be called so you know people were able to enjoy the amenities um but you know we we um you know like i said bill mason jason the guys they they pulled this one off I have uh, another guest uh, ready to come in after you leave, uh, Carlo Rodriguez, who won your Turnpike Series. I think it was two years ago now, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, it's so hard to understand what the future holds. But do you plan on doing some things like that with the Coconut Creek Casino since you mentioned them? And uh, what's the status of um, the WPT in April, the uh, showdown? So uh, it hasn't been officially announced yet, but things are looking favorable to bring the WPT back uh, for the poker showdown uh, in April. So keep checking shrpo.com, uh, the upcoming. Uh, we are going to have the Escalator Series come back in February. Uh, the May Deep Stack Series is slated to come back in May. And uh, we're looking at SHRPO at the end of July. So, you know, I think this was a big telltale on whether we could, you know, do it and bring it back and what the live tournament poker, which was, uh, like you said, we, we just had the third largest WPT in history and uh, the second largest WPT, the 3500 uh, in, in Seminole Hard Rock history. So, um, you know, definitely didn't expect to be breaking numbers on right now, but, you know, always uh, great to set numbers and set the bar. Uh, and just overall, just setting the bar for for safety, uh, as of, and hopefully other venues will see what all the things that we did, and you know incorporate that uh, as they bring in use. 
Okay, well, I know you're so busy, and I appreciate the time today. Uh, you know, any tournament can end just like that. Of course, you might be here till one in the morning. Who knows? But uh, if you stick around for that. But uh, thanks for being here today. Congratulations. Everybody's raving again about the hard rock and how they, in such a tough situation, they've kept people safe. And, uh, you know, such a great facility. And, uh, you know, people didn't think uh, live poker was going to be back anytime soon. But there it is. And uh, we look forward to a great year in 2021. Yeah, same here. And uh, you got a great guest coming on. Uh, Carla is a great supporter of the brand. Uh, like I said, it won the Seminole uh, uh, Turnpike Series, uh, I believe it was last year, and also uh, won a Platinum Pass. Uh, oh, that's right. Uh, yeah, I forgot year. about that. I forgot yeah, about that. Yeah, and, he had a, and he had a great run in the main. I believe he finished, I want to say, 20th. And, uh, you know, obviously when you see, once again, somebody like him and the locals in it, you're, you know, you're, you're pulling for uh, – you're always pulling for those guys because they're yeah. here year-round. But uh, great guests coming on, and please give Carlo my. I will do that. Thank you for your time, and we'll talk to you soon. All right, Dave. Appreciate you. Thanks a lot. Uh, let's go ahead then, uh, Joe, and take a break on the show. Um, I know it's fairly early, but uh, we'll do what we can. Maybe have to take a second break later on. But we certainly have to test out the mic for, uh, for Carlo and his uh, hookup with the show. Do uh, you, you think it's going to be fine? Uh I, I got I got time to stall here. <laughs> uh, some of the other things we're going to be talking about tonight have constantly uh, kept people up to date on the head-to-head -head battle between uh, Doug Polk and Daniel Negreanu. Uh, for Negreanu fans, uh, we'll talk a little bit about that. He's made a little bit of a comeback. He was down about a million bucks, but now only about 600000 So a nice comeback for Negreanu. Uh, if it's... Uh, enjoyable to be down $600,000 to another player, but a couple other head-to-head -head battles. Uh, one of them ended this week. The Galfon challenge ended with uh, Phil Galfond uh, uh, causing Chance Corneth to uh, give it up at the end there after playing 25,000 hands. So this seems to be the big thing that people are focusing on, but now with the Seminole Hard Rock having the Lucky Hearts Poker open, uh, back in action. I think people will be excited for all the tournaments this year. So let's take a break on the show. We'll get Carlo in here and uh, have a little discussion about his great event. Uh, don't forget that you can always uh, tune in on uh, SoundCloud or Spotify, pick up the show. And uh, we certainly would love to hear from you. You could send me an email at lemondave at yahoo.com, L-E-M-M-O-N, Dave at Yahoo. And love to hear what you have to say as far as what you like about the show, what you don't like, and what kind of guests you'd like to see. So we'll have fun going into 2021. A lot of big shows ahead. Let's take a break here on the show. We'll be right back after these messages on Poker Action Line. This is Poker Action Line. Hi, this is Big Dave from PokerActionLineRadio.com. I want to let all avid poker players know about a great new lottery game that was developed by one of our sponsors, Atlantic West Management Group. This game is now available worldwide on the Internet and will be served as Place Your Chips Caribbean and operated on the Internet as an international lottery by Atlantic West. The Texas Hold'em poker-like game is perfectly legal everywhere and presented as a lottery game with tickets available on the Internet. You can win pick six lottery tickets and cash prizes by using your poker playing skills. It's open to lottery players worldwide, and right now this game is in a play-for-free test mode, and you are not obligated to purchase anything. You can get 50,000 free play chips per ticket for the purpose of evaluating the game with no prizes awarded until the game goes live. The lottery customer could purchase a ticket with a unique number that will grant them entry into one of many Texas Hold'em poker tables with a chip stack and like a lottery game, 
The prize value will be based on ticket sales. That chip stack will be valid for the remainder of the week as players can access the site as often as they like to try and take the chip lead. At the end of the week, the highest chip stacks will be awarded lottery prizes, and if you lose all your chips, the lottery ticket becomes null and void. As with regular lottery games, you can purchase as many entries as you like. However, each ticket stands on its own merit, and much like the regular lottery, results of multiple tickets cannot be combined toward a prize. The name of this game is Place Your Chips Caribbean. You can access a live demonstration of the game right now at www.placeyourchipscaribbean.com. We believe that when it goes live soon, there will be a heavy demand for this game, as most lottery players would much rather have some say in the outcome of their lottery result. Their odds of winning are greatly improved if they're able to utilize their playing skills in order to increase their chances of winning. I hope that you will try the Play for Free demonstration and hope that you will join us when the Play for Real game becomes available later this year. It may be hard to believe, but people just like you are already saving money. FeedThePig.org makes it easy. Their simple savings plan teaches you how to start saving without going overboard. So you don't need to mooch off your friends. You gonna finish that grape? You mean the one in my mouth? You don't need to stop buying the necessities. What you're smelling is a natural musk. Ew. You don't need to be a medical test subject. How do you feel? Mostly okay. I... <laughs> Sometimes, though. <laughs> you don't need to get a second job as a stuntman. You just need an internet connection. Don't get left behind. Start your personal savings plan with the tips and tools on feedthepig.org. That way, you don't need to sell your soul to the devil. Fifteen bucks is the best I can do. All right, deal. Brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. This is Poker Action Live. Welcome back to the show. Big Dave Lemon. Our thanks to Tony Burns spending some time with us on a very busy day over at the Seminole Hard Rock. Uh, the day is done for uh, my, my special guest, uh, Carlo Rodriguez. Uh, got to know Carlo over the years, uh, over the, the span of many tournaments. And I, I was looking a little earlier, Carlo, at your um, let's make sure your mic is OK. First of all, how are you doing today? Doing well. Thank you much okay, for so having me. Sounds great. Uh, I was looking at your tournaments, and I do this from time to time. Usually it's kind of a last-minute thing when I see somebody at a tournament that I want to interview, and uh, I want to look like I really did my research and stuff. I jump on the Global Poker Index and see what tournaments they've won. I had completely forgot about that you won a uh, the Platinum Pass. That was a, a thrill down there, so we'll get to that in just a second. But uh, I noticed most of the tournaments that you've done very well in, uh, Hollywood, Pembroke Pines, you know, Pompano Beach, South Florida area. So you're a local guy. You live uh, in the Western area and um, certainly one of the become one of the top players around where I look forward to always seeing you go deep in tournaments. And and this is a good one. You know, I know you've had bigger paydays, but I was looking at it and uh, asked you if you were still around. I had heard you got knocked out and you mentioned to me, well, I'm at buying the knockout burger over at Wendy's, but uh, uh, 33,000 is an, is a nice payday. And I can remember years where I didn't make that in an entire year. So uh, you got to be thrilled with uh, this performance. Oh, definitely. Very happy. Actually, my undergrad school was the college of communication at university of Florida. And when okay. we first started, they said, 
look, when you're going to graduate, when you graduate, you're going to have a job probably working at some station in the Midwest making 16000 a year. So um, certainly a big cash. And um, I'm, I'm getting happier with it as the hours go. It's, it's, it's a tough blow to take when you get so close. And your dream is to get a WPT title. And you know they're not easy. Well, Joe Costello, who you can see on the screen there, also is in the radio biz, and uh, he probably could tell you similar stories. But I remember my first job out of college was at a radio station down here in South Florida, and I think I made $210 a week or something like that. It was, I was, you know, it was a fun job. I produced a talk show. We had these political talk shows back then, you know, 40 years ago. And uh, I would tell people, you know, I have Isaac Asimov's home phone number. And I got uh, Jacqueline Smith's home phone number, and uh, they were they were not so impressed. But uh, <laughs> I actually left the radio biz because the pay was so bad. So you're you're definitely right on the mark there. Did you ever pursue anything in broadcasting? I uh, took a job out of undergrad to go work for Paramount Pictures. So I worked for their domestic TV division, um, and I actually landed one of the best jobs that UF has ever. Um, had, I guess, the privilege of announcing and promoting to their students because it was an account executive sales job and those, you know, sales always pays well. So I was selling um, Judge Judy, Entertainment Tonight, Montel Williams, those shows in markets. <laughs> now, of course, I had the bottom of the Nielsen markets. I had Laredo, Texas, and I think my biggest market was El Paso, which was number 94 at the time. So I can't complain because it was a great job. And every once in a while, the car service didn't have the regular continental car and, you know, a limo would come up. And for a 20 young, early 20s and right out of college, I was really in shock. Um, so I did that for a little while and then I got admitted into law school and I went to law school and I'm an attorney, as, as you recall, probably. And, uh, you know, working on the corporate side, so doing law and doing product management for a Fortune 500 company. Okay, uh, I, I, I'll slip in a good story here uh, for my radio career. Uh, I once drove Ralph Nader in my car. Uh, he was doing a speech over at the University of Miami, and one of the talk show hosts that I work for was having him on as a guest. They said, can you go over and pick him up? And I said, yeah. And at the time, I owned this uh, piece of crap Camaro with a uh, stick shift, and it was it was dirty and old, and went over. And he was just the coolest guy. I said, you know, I'm, I really apologize. You know, you're probably used to riding in limos and stuff like that. He said, ah, don't worry about that. So he got in the front seat, passenger seat, and uh, we took off. And the first question what do you think the first question he asked me was do these seat belts work oh <laughs> and i had no idea if it worked or not it never been you know i not that i have a lot of people in my car or a lot of dates or anything like that but the the seat belt was under the seat and had like never been used to probably and he reached under the seat and pulled it up and all this dust flies up all over his suit jacket and uh and I thought, God, here's the guy who pioneered using a seatbelt and safety. And, uh, you know, so so yeah. I voted for him for president and uh, led to the downfall of uh, Al Gore later on. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get to poker, though. Um, you always seem to do well in these tournaments. I mentioned that you won the Turnpike Series, and I was there for much of that. And uh, a thrill for you there, I'm sure. Um do you feel like it's just that you don't play a lot of tournaments outside of South Florida 
and that the ones that you do play here, you seem to do well because you feel comfortable here? I think that's part of it. I think the majority of my tournaments are in South Florida. I do try to get to Vegas for the World Series every summer now pretty consistently. When I was in the Bahamas um, for the Poker Stars Platinum Pass event, I was able to final table uh, another event there. I got fourth, so I did pick up another flag on Hendon Mob, and I think it was about $9,000 payout for a $400 tournament. So that was that was great. Um, I felt good in that tournament. So I, I think, I think I'm ready now to play anywhere at any time. Uh, and I think I'll continue to, to get better and learn. Were you, uh, are you looking ahead to a summer with the return of poker in Vegas? I don't know. You know, we were talking about that with Tony and I just don't have no idea what's going to happen. Um, how has the uh, pandemic affected you and your family uh, and, and your life in poker? Yeah, so it's definitely affected the poker life. This was my first tournament since March in the Escalator Series they had in 2020. So this was my very first live event. Obviously, I've been trying to keep up by playing online home games and doing some things online, uh, reading a little bit here and there, strategy. Uh, But it has affected poker in that way. Uh, I'm working remotely, so I have a home office now. I work remotely. Uh, my oldest is in virtual kindergarten. Um, this was her first year, so unfortunately she hasn't been able to enjoy the thrill of going to school yet, but she's doing great with the virtual elementary. And then my youngest, she's in VPK4 in preschool doing virtual as well. Next year she'll be in elementary um, doing kindergarten. So it's definitely been a a big change. We're adapting and we're doing well. The girls are really close in age, so they're not really missing a thing. I think they're going to be fine socially. Um, I don't think they're going to be impacted because they're playing with each other. We've got a great neighborhood. They're outside playing. Uh, So I think, you know, it's something we just have to get through. By February 12th, I think I'll be fully vaccinated. Um, and I think a lot of people, by the by the time the summer comes around, I think you will see Vegas doing it big with the World Series. That that would be my prediction. How did you pull that off? The vaccination? Uh, well, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe you don't want to say on, on the show, but... Uh, yeah, not. Uh, it hasn't been completed yet, but I'm hoping by February 12th. I'll just leave it at that. Have you had a first shot or no? Uh, no comment. No comment. Okay, that's fine. Uh, you took the family to the Bahamas, as I remember, and uh, you had the little girls with you. Uh, I had just Melissa, my wife. Okay, okay. so you, your wife went and had a great time there. Yeah. Uh, the the kids uh, are they interested at all in your poker career? Are they they they're happy, obviously, when you come home with a trophy or something like that. Yeah. But do they uh, they follow it at all? Maybe a mom teaching them uh, the ins and outs of the game. Well, only to the extent of, you know, daddy's going to go do some work, quote unquote, you know, we call it work. Um, but I do mention that I'm going to play a tournament. I'm trying to win. I'm trying to become a champion. And, you know, my oldest really understands it well. And she's very competitive and she just starts jumping up and down. And she's like, daddy, you could do it. Bring home the trophy. And, you know, it's just such a thrill and it puts everything in perspective to see, you know, they're just your biggest fans and it's great. So they do follow with respect to that. And when I come home, I give them an update and, um, and, and they're happy for me either way. 
when this uh, tournament was approaching, I think you probably felt like you really wanted to play. Did Was there some trepidation there on whether it would be safe? Uh, you mentioned that you hadn't played since last March. So uh, there had to be some soul searching there, some conversations with your wife. Should I do this? Uh, but I think the hard rock, tell me a little bit about when you walked in and you saw what the situation was, you felt comfortable or, or you were sorry that you decided to play? No, I felt very comfortable comfortable. I reached out to Jay, the tournament director before the tournament, and he was very helpful in giving me a list of things so I could state my case to my wife and get, get the, the signed approval. So they, um, you know, they have the extraction system, they have air purifiers, they have the safe and sound team that's wiping everything down constantly. They um, had staggered breaks, which I'm sure you heard about with Tony. Um, they have the dividers which are critical uh eight max tables and a lot of times you know a player down a player two down you're really just six at a table uh no food in the ballroom or outside of the ballroom was important because a lot of times the spreading happens with eating events because right, your face right. your mask is down you're eating things are flying that you don't even realize so i think that was critical and then here's the money play i'm going to give to the to the listeners here I went on Amazon and got the portable air purifier that I uh-huh. ran on my cup holder the whole entire tournament. Uh-huh. Pepper filter. So I had air purification. Uh, you know, all the dealers were asking me about it. I should have brought some poly to sell, um, but it was great. So I, I, I had the hand sanitizer, of course. I had the K95 mask. You know, I tried to follow all the steps and I felt really safe. Um, today I did a rapid test, came out negative. I'm going to do um, another, um, the, the, the more accurate test on Thursday because you need to give it about four days. Right. Um, until that time, I'm socially distancing with my family. I'm here at home, but I'm just staying in the, in the guest room, office room, and just trying to be extra safe to keep them safe. Well, since you have a little sales in your background, you should uh, call that company up and say, listen, I can move this in the poker world big time. You should uh, bring sure. me in. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see what happens. Uh, obviously, when I asked you whether you would be sorry that you, uh, you know, that you did play, can't say that now. Uh, you finished in 20th place for those listeners that uh, maybe didn't hear me mention that with Tony, but 20th place. Uh, for a payout of 33000 This was a $3,500 buy-in with, I guess, over 1,500 people entered. And uh, how did it go for you? First day one, day two, that sort of thing. Yeah, so I'm glad I didn't decide to play the first weekend because if it was up to me and if I was a single man, I probably would have played the first weekend and then the main event weekend. But let me tell you, it was a grind. You know, you're wearing a mask. Uh, and when you're going deep like that, I was lucky enough to have that. I'm certainly not complaining, but we're talking about 13 to 14 hour days. Yeah. So yeah. it looks very glamorous when you're looking at Twitter and you're looking at the feed and this person's advancing and this person's cashing, but it's a lot of hard work and it takes, it takes a lot from you. But um, day one, day one started out great. Okay, so my first live hand since March of 2020, okay, it goes raise, three bet. I look down at ace, ace, okay? My first hand, I get welcomed welcomed back uh, to poker with pocket aces, and um, I four bet. 
the original Razer releases and the three better, okay, he five bets. Oof. Now, mind you, the table is full. All cards were dealt eight-handed, but only three of us are there because we're there at 11 oh, a.m. Wow. to start. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so only three of us are there at the table. He five bets. I six bet shove all in, and he calls me. And you won't believe the hand because I don't think the action could predict this hand that he's going to turn over. He had pocket jacks, right? I, I thought maybe ace-king suited. I was If you tell me to bet, I would have said pocket kings for sure. It's a classic kings versus aces. He's not folding. Ace-king suited, probably not folding, especially if he has another bullet in his pocket. Um, so that's how it started, a full double. Nothing he uh, didn't come up with anything to uh, further it? No, I didn't even look at the board. I didn't oh. even want to look at the board. I, I just is... looked away and I just said, just don't do it to me. Because the last main event, I had somebody make a move on me. I had to call because I had pocket aces. They had pocket nines and they spiked the nine. And it's yeah. hard to walk away when you invested 3500 or 5200 whatever the buy-in is for that yeah. main event. So I, I really didn't want to look at the board, and I was I was thinking, come on, we're at, we're at the level one, 100, 100. I got here early. I'm fired up. I can't go home now. Well, so when, he five, just, when he five bets you, you got to figure he's got some kind of, you know, pocket pair uh, and, and relatively large. Um, it is so hard when you sit down at a table, you, you figure – I got four days of this if I'm playing well. Do I want or we get knocked down in the first hand? Because aces are never a guarantee. But It's one pair, right? It's but, one pair. Yeah, absolutely. But, uh, you know, if you'd win the hand, all of a sudden you go from whatever, 50,000 chips to 100,000 chips. You're suddenly you're the chip leader sitting right there and feeling good about it. Uh, any trepidation about uh, making the call? No, the no. I, yeah, no. I, I had no hesitation because no matter the outcome – the goal when you have pocket aces in that spot is to get get all the chips in the middle, um, especially if you're playing to win the tournament and to be aggressive and to keep advancing. Um, yeah, I there's no you know, and and some people might say, well, um, you you got lucky, and and let's let's talk about that for a second. Uh, some players there might shut it down to trap. So after a three or four bet, they might say, okay. Let me bring this person along and make sure I get all of it because it's going to be hard to yeah. get called if I'm holding aces. Yeah, I made the decision to get it all in because if he sees that flop, there's a king and maybe maybe a queen, but at least one king hit the flop. Another king hit the turn. So if he plays it normal, I'm probably not getting all the chips and yeah. getting the 40,000 starting chip stack doubled up. So, you know, it's a little bit of luck, but also it was a good – it worked out well that I played the more aggressive line and I didn't try to slow play it. But you didn't have any read uh, to base it on. I mean, obviously, if you just sat down at the table, what did he look like? Well, young guy, hand, old guy, fat guy? Uh, he, no, it was a, a younger guy. And he looked, he, looked like, he looked like somebody that had either won a big hard rock event or um, maybe had some success. But then I questioned that. Uh, memory because he came back after and said, nice hand. I made the biggest mistake of my poker career. And 
I don't think a pro that's won a main event would have come back and said that. So I was thinking, oh, maybe he is just, you know, uh, uh, an experienced player. And maybe he just looked familiar. He had a familiar look from one of the winners. Right. Did did you have another bullet to, to, to spend? Nope. You would have no. walked out. You would have. I would have played. I would have played the four hundred dollar event later in the afternoon. Okay. I would have played other events. They, you know, the Hard Rock and their schedule. They always have action, so there was plenty more to do. Right. Uh, and he came back to play. He fired another uh, bullet. He just. I don't know if he re-entered. He. I. He was walking around and stopped at the table to tell me that comment. Okay. Yeah. So he yeah. was nice about it. You know, a lot of people are get very nasty when they get beat on a when they have a decent hand and they do get beat. Um, you know, let's face it. I've met a lot of p- nice people in poker over the years, but uh, I've met some real a holes too. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure I, I've been unpleasant sometimes and salty when taking a beat. Um, it happened against uh, Jerry Wong in day two. Um, <clears throat> that that maybe we'll get to, but um, yeah, it's hard to be composed. But I'm learning as I get more experience to. Just let the game come to you. Don't get too salty and, and just stay emotionally stable. It's only going to benefit your game. Uh, and, and one quick story um, that has stuck in my head is a story from, I hope I'm not quoting it wrong, but I think it was Chip Reese in one of these poker documentaries that he said, I was the same skill level as everybody I played against. And in many, many situations, they were better than me. And and then he was asked, well, what what was the difference? How, how come you were so successful and such a winning player? And he said, I never went on tilt. I just never went on tilt. Yeah. Well, I can, you know, there's certain a lot of ways that you feel in, in poker, but uh, I don't know what would feel worse, whether you actually got beat on the hand, if he spiked a jack or, uh, you know, there was one on the flop, who knows. Um or if you had just said, you know, discretion is the better part of valor. I'm going to fold this hand because I got hundreds of hands to play still. And then he didn't get it, you know, and he showed yeah. his hand and, and you said, you know, here, I had a chance to double up on the first hand. Which would feel worse, do you think? Oh, I think what what would feel worse is probably getting knocked out. Yeah, um, yeah you'd be thinking about it. And especially if you don't... Go- if, if you go deep, if you go into day two, day three, then you don't even care about that hand. It's irrelevant to the, the to the big picture because you're, you're already at the one million chip mark and above those 40,000 chips are just anties at that point. But um, yeah, knocking, getting knocked out would be worse than having to play over in your head. Should I have gone with it with one pair pocket aces or not? But you're never folding aces in that in that spot. I mean, uh, I did go into the tournament remembering that I – was in my previous WPT, my my sole cash before this one in a WPT main event was a day three. I cashed $16,000, and I was in a hand versus Sam Savaro. Yep. Savaro. One of, the, one of the high, high rollers now. Uh, he's now a high roller. I probably got him his start by, by uh, sending him to the final table in, in day three because he made it to the final table in that event. Um, and I say that joking around, but, but it was a situation where I raised and there's, you know, live poker gives you different things that don't always come up on the storyline. Right. So in this case, a a chip got stuck and I over raised my opening action because the chip got stuck when I threw Uh it. 
So then when he re-raises me, I'm thinking he thinks that I'm weak because I'm putting in a large raise and trying to maybe take down the blinds and annies when actually I had pocket kings. So then I re-raise. He ends up just calling. We see a flop. It's clean. And I decide to play aggressive not to give up more, you know, other free cards because I'm thinking I'm ahead and I shove all in. Now, now I have 900,000 of my chips in the middle on day three of a WPT where I'm probably in the top 10 in chips because it's wow. early in day three. Wow. And he ends up making sort of a crying call because he's thinking probably, did he hit a set? Does he now have two pair? What's going on here? He doesn't understand why I'm probably going so crazy. And he calls with aces. And I, I learned that I went into this event thinking – if I have pocket kings and I see the action play out in such a way where I don't want to risk it, I know poker players and pros will kill me, but I'm going to fold kings preflop because if you look at this tournament, you look at the blogs and the stories and the, and the hands, there's been quite a few players that have gotten knocked out when the other player was pretty much saying, I have aces here, and pocket kings decided to go with it. Well, you mentioned how you said you were joking, but uh, it's amazing how one or two hands in your poker career can maybe change your entire life. Who knows? Yeah. He ended up going to the WSOP that summer, just a month or two later, and he ended up winning a bracelet, going deep in some events. Then he got into some higher stake events, and I think his career took off, um, uh, and I think he was a little uh, – did he have long hair or short hair then short hair okay because he's had he some re- he's had some real long hair in the past yeah. i remember um okay a little bit let's move along a little bit because this is such an interesting story um obviously you said you knocked the guy out there was only one other table at the pl- player at the table so um when the rest of the table shows up and filters in there, did this guy go, Hey, you guys aren't going to believe what happened to this guy. <laughs> yeah. There was some storytelling for sure. And some, some shock faces cause they're thinking they're arriving early and I'm already sitting with double their stack. So they were wondering what's going on here. How come um, we have 80,000 already uh, at the table? So yeah. definitely. Yeah. It's bizarre. So where did you finish at, at the end of day one? Day one, I had, I think I had 122,000 in chips from 40,000 starting. Um, I I went into dinner break with 190,000 in chips, and I think I might have been one of the chip leaders at dinner break. So I definitely, after I got to 80K, I kept going and built that up to 190K. So I didn't take the foot off the gas. I played well kept playing well. I was running good. Um, you know, certainly when you get chips like that, people start to target you sometimes. And then also I start to induce wild wider ranges, right? So between that and inducing wider ranges, I was just able to accumulate more chips and had a nice dinner with, with probably the chip lead at 190,000 then ended on a downturn and actually got down to maybe 60,000 in chips mm. Mm. from the 190 at dinner break. Really ran into some tough spots, uh, made, lost some hands, and then made some folds where I should have called. And it, it would have worked out for me. 
but ended up with a nice 122, which was above the average of just over 100. And I think the median, I always look at the median number. Uh, the median was somewhere in the low 90s, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was important to look at to, to kind of feel comfortable with, okay, you were at 190 at dinner, you have 122, you're still above average, you're well above the median, let's go and have a good day too. Okay, what about day two then? Uh, you mentioned you had a run-in with Jerry Wong, who is a great player here from South Florida that uh, actually made the November 9 one year out at uh, the WSOP. Uh, very good player. He was one of many tournaments. What happened with him? Yeah, so it was deeper into day two. I had built up a nice stack. Um, I think the Hard Rock covered my update when I got to a million chips. I think I was one of the first to get to a million chips or maybe top top two or three and i get involved with the in a hand with jerry and uh it goes it was really you know let me just say it was a great play by him it just didn't it 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 didn't work out for me but um and it didn't work out for him either pre-flop but it worked out for him by the time the river card showed up um he had action in front of him, two limps. It gets to him, maybe even a third limp, Dave. It gets to him on the button, I believe, and he decides to squeeze and he shoves all in. Wow. And I think he had, you know, he was on the shorter side. He had 350,000, 325,000, something like that. Unfortunately, it gets to me and I'm in the big blind. I'm thinking, I'm looking at him before I even look at my hand. I'm thinking, okay, his range is going to be wide here to shove. It's just been set up so perfectly for him. He's going to shove here or he's going to put in a big raise. Um, it gets to me and I'm, I'm looking at ace queen. Ace queen off. So, so I, you know, I snap call the other two or three players release their limps and we go heads up and he turned the king. Uh, uh, he had king queen and turned the king. So he had three outs and, and got it. And he, okay. he got me good. And that was one of the times I got salty and he asked me, he's like, are you salty? And I was like, yeah, it hurts. It hurts. <laughs> and I, I apologize to him for having that reaction. Um, well played. It was well played by him. You know, I, I had to just stop reset, give him credit. It's good to do that, right? Mentally say, okay, he played well. Give him credit. It kind of releases you a little bit to open up and have confidence again and play more free. He got the king on the flop or? or on turn. The, he oh, turned. He turned. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so obviously you had a much bigger stack. So although it cut into you, you were still doing okay. Yeah. Uh, you moved on to day three. Um, and. Uh, Unfortunately, we got to talk about the bad side. Yeah, uh, I think you had about maybe six hundred thousand when you got knocked out, which was kind of on the short side because probably the leader had maybe what five or six million chips at that point. Uh, yeah, so I you had, had to make something happen. Yeah, I had twelve big blinds exactly twelve. And what happened on? Uh, w- did you have a big along the way that final day? Did you, did you have something that really cut into you that that really hurt you big time? I think I just ran into a couple things. One, my best holding of the entire day was pocket tens. 
and I think I had ace 10 twice. Not even ace jack, not ace queen, not ace king. So I really didn't get hit with any part of the deck, not even a little bit. And I never make that an excuse, right? Because I just I just keep playing and, and great players are supposed to make things happen. Um, I think that run bad of cards combined with me not having the courage in certain spots to fight back like I did in day one and day two in spots where I knew I was getting bullied a little bit and I knew I should be pushing back. I, I decided to be more cautious. And I think the 90 minute levels plays into that too, because I changed my strategy. You're going from 60 minutes right. to 90 minute levels. Right. right. ICM becomes a big factor. So you got ICM, you've got 90 minute levels. You've, you've, you're running bad. So I didn't have that courage and that killer instinct to really attack when I should have. So I would say oh, it wasn't one really big moment. It was a combination of those factors that kept me short and just, you know, missing draws. And, and, and you know, I still had moments where I outplayed opponents and I, I had people folding the best hand and I ran some bluffs and I trapped someone that was really attacking me when I went. I got up to 1.6 million and I had somebody kind of attacking me um, and I was able to trap them when I hit my flush. Um, but it, that, that, that was it in a nutshell. So I get to 12 big blinds and it folds. Unfortunately, it folded to me in the button and the book will tell you and the apps will tell you that it's a shove there. And do I still think it's a shove there? Um, could I have maybe said, you know what, let me raise here just in case and see you what had, the You had like ace-7, I think, right? Ace-7 offsuit. Okay. Um, I had a pretty good stack in the small blind and a shorter stack in the big blind. So the big blind could only really call a shove with the top of their range, especially because of ICM and just their position in the tournament. The small blind has a little bit more room, so – the difficulty there, if, if I make a small raise or even a, a big raise, he's going to defend wide. He might try to put pressure on me. But the flip side of that is when you're a short stack and you raise small or you just put in a min raise, it's a little bit of a red flag. People are wondering, why isn't he jamming? Like it's yeah, supposed right. to be a jam or nothing. And I actually, five hands before that, I min raised aces. The, the table saw that and pocket sixes put me all in and I snapped and got a nice double that was covered on the blog and, and WPT. So maybe that if I would have put a min raise, maybe I'm only called, maybe I see the flop, which had a bunch of over cards hit that over, over my seven with the ace not pairing, maybe I could get away from it. So I'm still battling with that decision in my head because again, going back to the 90 minute levels, I'm fine with playing a 10 big blind or even an eight big blind stack. Earlier, I told myself eight big blinds was going to be the minimum. I wasn't going to fold too much and get into a situation where I have no fold equity. Um, and my opponents could just call me with any two cards. Well, we're running out of time. Uh, I, I did have one thing that I really wanted to ask you. Only got a couple of minutes left. So uh, don't go into too much, but uh, I'll ask you about the question I thought I saw that I wanted to immediately 
hit my mind. And that is you got knocked out in 20th place. 21st through 24th was 27,000. 20th place that you got 33,000. So that 6,000, did that make a difference for you? You haven't played in tournaments in a long time. Did you just, were you kind of just working at the end to get to that next pay jump? Yeah, I definitely, when I got short, I was looking at, uh, looking at the payouts and I knew the cutoff. So it was, it was, I think 30 something, 24, 20 and 16. I had the numbers memorized. So it was definitely a factor. And once we were at 20, it made it easier to shove with a seven. Now I will tell you a lot of people would have folded that small blind hand. It was pocket threes. The best you're doing is running a flip and you still have a player behind you. He snap called, you know, it ended up working out for him, but he also ended up keeping that strategy and being wide and he ended up busting before the final table. So I don't know if that play is the right play. I think even him having pocket threes, my A7 shove there should have worked a lot more than um, than it did in this one-for-one one situation. Did you get salty and tell him his pocket threes, you know, where the, you can stick them where the sun don't shine? <laughs> no, no. I just I just said, wow, you snapped with those threes, huh? And, and I flopped the gutter, too. I added four more outs on the okay. flop. Yeah. I flopped the gut shot, but it didn't come home for me. Didn't come home. We'll get well, him next time, Dave. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I'm always thrilled to see you do well. We've uh, known each other for a while. I guess final question. Um, it seemed to me like years ago when we would have some conversations that, you know, you would do well in tournaments and then, you know, as as it as they go along and, and the field's getting smaller, that you would make a couple of mistakes and, and you'd be out. And the way things changed over the last few years is you're hanging in there and you must have made some adjustments to, to your game over the years. Yeah, definitely, definitely. The the biggest adjustment that I think strategy-wise I could tell the listeners is I try to use my, you know, my medium to strong hands right. in two different ways. I try to use position and then check some of my medium or strong hands. And what I was able to do throughout the tournament, I was able to use it for value down in other streets. I was able to bet for value and get paid off. And I was able to bluff catch a lot. Yeah. So, you know, one strategy, you know, I, I love Andrew Brokus. Um, he has a couple books on play mm -hmm. optimal poker. You know, he talks about that in his book, but um, I did that. I paid attention to position. I paid attention to my blinds. You know, I tried to hang in there and just tried to play better and closer to, you know, maybe GTO with still exploiting players you know, especially the more inexperienced players. Well, we're out of time. I do have to let you go, but I appreciate and and people that listen to this program certainly have given been given a, a chance to learn a lot from you. So uh, uh, I do appreciate the, some of the strategy points. Also, Tony is always great about telling us what's happening in the world of poker over there at the Hard Rock, which is the shooting star of the poker world for sure. So both guests, I thank you both uh, very much. We'll be back on again. We'll run into each other and uh, we'll interview you at a final table. Yeah, let's do it. And at Florida All In is the Twitter handle. Follow along. I'll try to bring in 
uh, another championship, and maybe we'll, <laughs> we'll talk about a big first place title. Hopefully, at, at the WSLP this summer, and we can celebrate in Vegas. Absolutely, that would be so cool. Thanks for uh, being with me today. I do appreciate it. Thank you. Okay, All right, take care. That's going to do it for the show today. I appreciate uh, both of my guests today. And uh, I did an interview with Ronnie Barda. Didn't get a chance to run that. Maybe it will run it next week, and we uh, will have Joe back in the studio next week. Thanks for uh, listening to the show. Hope you enjoyed it. We'll be back next week with another edition of Poker Action Line. The views and opinions of the hosts, guests, or callers are not necessarily those of the station, its owners, advertisers, or agencies. Thank you.